Hey everybody, welcome to This Ability Podcast, where we are on a mission to shift perspective, encourage others, and create community. Hey, well, I'm so excited to be joined uh, by my second Paralympic athlete that is joining the podcast, someone who is an advocate for mental health and for adaptive sports, and also in Rio, her and her team won the bronze medal in goalball, which you're going to find out more about. And then also, Eliana, if I might say, we're just going to go ahead and take gold in Tokyo in just a, a couple of months. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to introduce Eliana Mason to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And when you said gold in Tokyo, I definitely got really excited because that's the goal. So Let's do it. Yeah. I, uh, I just asked my... I, my uh, smart speaker, I was going to say her name, but then she'd go off and oh, yeah. uh, that wouldn't be good. But I asked how many days until August 24th, because that, that's the start of the Paralympics, yeah. 129 days. All right. Yep. So we're, we're gearing up and, and I know you're training right now. You're in Fort Wayne, you said? Yes. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited for you. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to talk to you today. I had such a great conversation with Lex and he introduced you and I, um, because I think there is something that everyone can learn from people who have decided to overcome different, different, you know, different challenges, whether it's a disability or some sort of disadvantage. But before we hop into all of that, Eliana, why don't you just give us a little bit of your story and what's going on in your life currently? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I was born with my vision impairment. Um, you know, for some people it hits later in life, but I was born with both cataracts and glaucoma. And uh, my eyes were small. So they took my lenses out at about nine days old, but they couldn't replace wow. them. Yeah, they couldn't replace them because my eyes were too small. So um, no lenses. And so my vision, the way I describe it to people is in my left eye, really, it's just light perception. And in my right eye, I have limited um, degree of field. So I can't really see and like what's around me unless I'm turning my head. And then my acuity is uh, 20, like 300 or 2,200, depending mm -hmm. on the lighting and sure. all those other things. So um, essentially what 2,200 would mean is what you can see as a, as a 2020 sighted individual um, at 200 feet away, I can only see it at 20 feet away. Um, so a lot of times I feel like the numbers of acuity are thrown around, but there's not really any context of what mm -hmm. that really means. Um, and so, yeah, I grew up, um, in Oregon and I, in the middle of two brothers. So of course, like very competitive, yeah. <laughs> very stubborn. They've definitely, I, I'll give them some credit for my determination in sports. Yes. Uh, yes. Watching my brothers play um, football and basketball and baseball. And all I wanted to do is compete. And, um, so like I said, I have some vision. I tried sports like soccer in elementary school, but I would get so frustrated because I couldn't track the ball and I just feel so left out and like couldn't keep up the way I wanted to. Um, and I tried some individual sports and those were fun, but I was really looking for a team sport and I discovered goalball at 15. Um, at the time, a Paralympian moved to Oregon in the sport of goalball. And I connected with her and I started going to practice at Portland state where they held it and started training with them. And I would say that really changed my life. Um, wow. growing up the only visually impaired individual in a completely sighted family in a completely sighted world, you feel, mm. um, you feel like this, this need to try to fit in. And so you downplay your vision loss and you downplay any struggles and you just try to keep up and try to keep up and everything. And it can, it can get exhausting. And goalball is an adaptive sport 
um, invented after World War II for blinded veterans. And one key component is every athlete wears blacked out eye shades. So no matter if your vision is like mine or like yours or anyone who has a vision impairment to anyone who's even sighted, you have a completely equalized playing field. And um, for me, that was empowering because for the first time in my life and in sport, I could compete as an athlete first and not as someone who's trying to compensate for vision loss. Wow. And yeah, that's a big deal. And I think that's often overlooked. Uh, and I've heard that so many times interviewing different people, uh, how often we, I, I did the same thing, still do the same thing, still kind of, tr- I think 2020 was, was honestly a big year for me of finally like talking to people about it mm-hmm. um, because you just feel like you have to fit in and you have yeah. to, you don't want for me. And I think it's, I'm a guy, I think men often can deal with pride and it's like, I don't want to ask for help. Like, what are you Mm -hmm. talking about? Like, but it's gotten to the point where, you know, it's, it's hard to swipe a credit card and uh, you can't read menus and you have to rely on people. And it's really, it's really difficult because I do think you just have that uh, that innate desire to fit in. And before I want you to explain goal ball, but, but quickly, because you'd mentioned your brothers and, and I can't imagine your parents dealing with you at nine days old going through surgery like that. So talk to me about like the family dynamic. What is, what is your mom and dad done for you? Or what is the relationship with your brothers? How, how, how have they helped you get to this point? Or maybe what are some moments from your childhood that your mom and dad helped you or they encouraged you? Or what were some things uh, that they did to help you get to the place that you are now? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you're hitting on a key thing and that I'm very passionate about mental health and I'd love to work with children and families with disabilities because it's amazing. Disability. Yeah. It impacts the whole family Mm. and parents can be so well-intending at times, but they can like limit their children. And then imagine having a child with a disability and you don't know how you would do something. So of course, how could your child do that? And so you put them in like this bubble. And I've seen that I worked at various camps for kids who are blind and done clinics for goalball. And I've seen the difference with kids who have families who encourage and support and foster growth and independence versus families who don't understand the vision loss. And so they just kind of keep their child in this protective bubble. And mm-hmm. I feel very fortunate, you know, with my parents, you know, having three kids, you know, they didn't have the time or energy to cater towards me all sure. the time. Sure. It was like sink or swim, like keep up. You're, you know, we have three kids and we're going yeah. on this hike or wow. uh, we're doing this thing. And so like, I remember my dad, I, you know, they taught me how to ride a bike very young and I can totally ride a bike. Um, but visually maybe it's not the most safe. So I remember sure. my, my dad got a tandem bike when I was young. And so we do like family bike rides and I was completely included in that experience. Aww. Um, I know when I was eight, my dad was taking my older brother skiing to the mountains. They love to ski and I wanted to go. And I remember him being like, I don't, I don't know, maybe you're too young. And I was like, too young, he's 11 and you're taking him. And so we kind of bickered and he's like, okay. And he told me later, he was like, I have no clue how I'm going to teach her how to ski. Like you have, I don't know how to do this, but he said he couldn't leave me behind. Like, he's like, how do I explain to you? You can't do something. So he took me and we skied all day long, still love skiing to this day. And so he was like, thank you for pushing me. And in turn, like they pushed me back. And so it's kind of like, you know, reciprocal. Um, so I feel very fortunate with that. My mom is, you know, very supportive. She's, you know, thoughtful, like my junior and senior years of high school, I hated riding the bus. All of my friends virtually could drive themselves to school. Oh, and so man. 
Yeah. Yeah. My mom made it, you know, a priority of hers to take me. And she's like, if you could drive, you, you would have that same option. And so, yeah, I was really lucky to have parents who like were very supportive, um, you know, driving me to goalball practice. Once I got involved with it, my dad actually came to Rio in 2016 to support. Oh, that's amazing. So very fortunate having brothers, you know, too, like they're just, you know, they were just in their own worlds and very, sure. <laughs> yeah, very competitive with sports. And my older brother and I used to argue like crazy. We're really close now. He's, he's dad. So he's completely, yeah. completely different. Sure. Um, yeah. It tends to do that to us. Yeah, exactly. It's my niece is adorable, but oh. um, yeah. So my brothers, you know, they just kind of, they didn't treat me any differently. They were just my brothers. And so that was cool that I didn't feel like they, you know, saw me as their blind sister. I was just yeah. their sister. So no. Um, well, I, I love that. And thank you for, for adding some context to, to my question, because um, this, the people that listen to this podcast, I think it's a variety. And I think about parents who have children who deal with some sort of disability. And I, I want to leverage these conversations to help them. Mm-hmm. I, I, my mom and dad were incredible. And I don't know, like nobody gives you a manual. Yeah. Now, our, you and I are different where I, I got my license at 16. You know, I was pretty normal. Uh, just thinking the other day, though, I did have to like sit out when, you know, in gym, they play baseball and things and I must have been 16 or so. And, and it was it was a struggle just because like seeing the ball and, and there was certain things I had to set out of. But it's amazing. They don't they don't say like, hey, your kid's blind or your, your child's going to be blind. And here's a manual to deal with that. So mm-hmm. I really want to be able to build some sort of community to, to help or give resources or, or something because yeah. like, I just can't imagine. So talk to us. I want to transition to gold ball. And it was really interesting. And I'll, there's a ball with bells in it. And I'll let you explain that here in a second. But I showed my wife the Instagram video uh, on your page where you're kind of talking about gold ball. And it, there's this cool moment where you're explaining the game and you're like, if that doesn't sound hard. And then the screen goes black and you just hear this ball rolling at you. And it's like, it's trying to help a sighted person realize like you're listening to this bowl, uh, yes. excuse me, this ball that is rolling 30 to 40 miles an hour towards you with bells and you have to stop it before it gets to the net. So uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking some of the, some of the explanation. No, please away, but... do. I explain global all the time. So oh, well, let me, I'll, let me do my best. And you, okay. you, you help me out. Cause okay. I, I honestly, I'm so intrigued and I don't know what I need to do, but I want to make it happen. I don't know. I just, there was this other video I watched Eliana of like, it was like, it was just like how to play goalball. And it was just students at like South Dakota state or something. And I was like, this is so great for them. And I was like, I want to be able to help people to do this. Mm-hmm. Not only do I want to play, you know, I want to be super competitive and I just want to shoot. I'll go to the Paralympics and just like, I'll, we'll, we'll take gold. It'll be fine. But uh, so it's played on a volleyball size court, which is about nine by 18 meters. And uh, listen, I'm, you know, I'm straight up American. So convert meters into feet, yards, whatever, and you'll have a volleyball size court yes. and the nets are about this, the length, uh, at both sent both ends. They're the entire length of the court or the, I guess the width of the court and it's three on three. And I know there's string on the ground that help the players that are blindfolded know where they are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, basically when you have the ball, these people have some intense shots. Do you have, do you do the spin Eliana? Do you spin? Yeah. yeah we have a variety of shots. We, we work. Okay. On it's so impressive. So they like do this crazy spin. Imagine like bowling, I guess. Right. Like you have this ball, you're spinning 
and then you're you're trying to get as much speed behind that ball as possible and you're trying to make it past these three defenders into the net and then when they block it they try to stop it they get the ball it can roll out of bounds anyway any any big thing i missed there i feel like that was a decent explanation yeah i'll give you like a, a b maybe like a okay b i'll plus. take it listen i was a c <laughs> student so i'll take yeah. a b any day you know especially for never playing it and only learning this from videos you did yeah. pretty good um <laughs> a couple key components is so yeah the reason that there's um string on the floor tape over it is that's how the players orient themselves to where they're at mm. so there's three positions left wing right wing and center so we're kind of staggered so when we're diving out, we're trying to overlap, but not, you know, smash into each other. Yes. I was, I was trying to figure out how that worked. Like if, yes. you, if I hear the ball, if I'm center and then it's going to my left. So the left wing, if they hear it too, like, how are you not giving each other a concussion? I'm just, yeah, I was so so we're, that. yeah, we're a little bit on different play, like playing, um, like you're staggered. You, you said that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah we're a little st stagnant. And then um, we have a lot of different plays we can call. So like, you know, we have, we can move the ball. We can move as players. We can move the ball and as players. Mm -hmm. So we're always trying to have different plays in motion. Um, almost like in football with your quarterback, you know, sure. if you block the ball, you're kind of in charge of that play. So you can tell your other players clear off, or I'm going to switch with you, or we're going to do this movement. So yeah. there's a lot of, higher level thinking that goes on, you know, of the players of how are we going to try to score and have deception and get it past the other team. And then on offense, the biggest key component is you have a high ball line on each side of the court. And so if the court is 18 meters and I also don't know how to convert it. <laughs> <laughs> so at nine meters is the half court line. And so um, that's what splits it on each side. And so you have what's called like a team area. And then you have like the, the landing zone area. And so um, you have to have the ball hit the ground at the six meter mark on your side mm. and it can bounce. You know, we have different types of skip shots or bounce shots and mind you, it's not bouncy like a basketball. Sure. This is a three pound ball. That's dense. And so you have to put yeah. a lot of force and technique into the throw, but, um, it can bounce, but then it has to land in that landing zone or it would be considered a long ball. So giving mm. you lots of information, but the point of this information is if you do that, that's a penalty. And then you have to block the whole court for one shot by yourself. And so, oh snap! Yeah, so it's important to be aware of that <laughs> piece of the game. Um, wow. So, yeah, we're tailoring our throws. How close can we get to that line? How can we push the line without um, committing those penalties? And um, part of that is you have to get the ball, like I said, on the ground before that that point. So that's part of it. And then when you block it, you have ten seconds as a team from the moment the ball hits a body to get rid of it. So it's not like you can slowly mm, get up, got you. slowly have a discussion of what we're going to do. Got like you. it's go time. Like it has to cross half court from the moment it hits you to half court in 10 seconds, or that's another penalty. So those are just some things to be aware of. That seriously, it, I, don't, I don't know if it's because I have bad eyes at like my athletic, uh, my, I, you know, hand-eye coordination isn't there can't play basketball, you know, can't do this stuff anymore. So I don't know if it's just me, but I like, I, I get, I'm getting excited talking to you about it. And then watching some of the videos in YouTube, I was like, I will really want to play this game right now. Yeah. Like it's so intriguing now. Okay. So if, have you ever, or does it happen often? Like when you're the only person blocking for a penalty shot? Like, have you been in that situation? Oh, absolutely. Um, lots and lots of times. And we, we practice and drill penalty shots all the time. I mean, that's so hard. And blocking. It is. And, you know, it can make or break a game. Like goal ball yeah. is more lower scoring. You know, uh, when we won a bronze medal in Rio, 
um, the final score was three to two. Like mm-hmm. it's very close. So is, is it timed? Is it like, okay, you guys are playing for 20 minutes and it's just whoever mm-hmm. has the most points. Yeah. So it's two okay. 12 minute halves. And Got then you. if you're, you're tied, you go into overtime. And then if you're tied after a double overtime, you go into what's called a shootout. And so each player on oh the team gosh. goes against each other one by one. So, I swear. Yeah. Like my, I feel like my heart's racing. Cause I can just <laughs> imagine being in like an Olympic stadium and it coming down to some like overtime situation, but yeah. tell me how was Rio? Like, t- tell me about the games. What was it like? Tell me some of the bigger moments that potentially got you, got you the bronze or, or what, what was that like? Yeah, it was incredible. It was my first Paralympics and just, it, it's, it's like life-changing. How You're old there. were you when you went? Uh, I was, I actually just turned 21. My 21st awesome. birthday okay. was like the day we left. For oh, Rio. wow. That's so, so cool. That's great. Yeah. Um, but it was a really cool experience. I mean, walking into opening ceremonies oh with all the other Paralympic team USA athletes and everyone's oh. just like yelling USA and you're like going through the tunnel and there's lights and there's oh like all the other countries there. It's like undescribable. You're yeah. like, like floating. And then yeah. walking into the stadium for my first time for our first match and it was against Brazil. So of course, like mm-hmm. we were not the crowd favorite, right. um, <laughs> But um, that was so cool because goalball is not very well known. And it's not yeah. like we have games in the U.S. where there's thousands of people in the stadiums. Like, that's yeah. just a fact. So walking to Rio where there was like 10,000 people or walking into the venue in Brazil where there was like 10,000 people there like cheering and screaming. I just remember my legs were like shaking. And we um, we you, you you line up on half court and they announce each player like your name and your number and you like yeah. stand out and you like wave and I just remember being like is this real like is this oh actually my happening? goodness yeah and we have a game plan before each game and I remember sure. that one I wasn't really planned for me to have to go in that game and so I'm just sitting on the bench taking it all in like just like I can't believe I'm here and all of a sudden my coach was like you're going in and I was like I'm, wow. I'm what I'm, I'm doing what so um that was cool and then um you know, just the whole experience, being a part of the team, being in the Paralympic village, um, getting to meet other Paralympic athletes and build like friendships and connections. Yeah. It was really cool. So just the whole experience was just, you, you know, it's like a different world. Like every day you take your laundry in this bag down to the laundry area and you just drop it off and then you pick it up in the nighttime. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the what, Olympic and, village, right? Yeah. And the How dining crazy. halls open 24 seven with all these different cuisines. And so it's just, um, it's just such a weird experience. Yeah. You're like in this Paralympic bubble and it's like, what is real life? Cause it's not this. So it's that really is cool. crazy. Now you yeah. mentioned, you mentioned game plan. Like, is that team specific? Like if you're going against Brazil or you're going in against China, like, do you, do you got, like, is there a video that you're breaking down? Like, okay, their left wing is kind of slow. Like, is it that specific or is it just kind of your, like, there's, here's our plan for this game about us. Or do you ever like know something oh, about sure. the other team? For sure, both. So we do That's lots so of film sick. analysis, just like you would with any other sport. Get out of here. I'm getting yeah. so excited. This yeah, is our coach so has us like analyze film. We do it as a wow. team individually, analyze ourselves and the other team. And of course, you you know, it's all just tendencies. It's not like a hundred percent this person does this every time, but being aware of different tendencies or um, things like that. So yeah, we do lots of film analysis and wow. we'll make a game plan based off of like ourselves and the other teams. So yeah, yeah. there's a lot of thought that goes behind the game plan it's not just let's get out there and hope we score <laughs> yeah man don't sleep on goal ball people I'm yeah. I'm so excited yeah just talking to Lex and like getting into this uh with the podcast and just like dealing with my disability like Paralympics is something that's so intriguing and interesting to me because you just look at all these people that have overcome and I would mm-hmm. put you in that category and now your story is is 
Well, I mean, it, it's actually it's it's actually very similar to Lex's. He was like eight when he went kind of completely blind because you were kind of born with this. Mm-hmm. But like Eliana, and this could go into some mental health stuff. But for you personally, you had to overcome so many things. And like I can't. So you're you're 15. You're playing goalball. Okay, it's hard. Like you just got hit with the ball. Like you try to block it or whatever. Like I'm just so intrigued by people who have just like overcome things. So how, like, what did you do to make it to Rio, right? Like, what did you do to be even positive on this call? Or what did you do to, you know, you're going to school for mental health where it's, it's not easy to go to school with a visual impairment, like the things you have to read and you have to adapt. And, and you've mentioned that you have a cane and there's all these things. So it's like, what have you done, Eliana? Like, what is it about you that has stayed positive and is encouraging and I'm going to push, I'm going to drive, I'm going to go to the Olympics and I'm going to, you know, overcome all these difficulties. How'd you do it? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of pieces that make up this, this answer. Um, so, you know, when I actually first tried goalball, I didn't love it. You know, I came, I was like, like into doing gymnastics and trying yeah. to like do cartwheels and handstands and all those tumbling things. And so I tried goalball because I was always just looking for new things. You know, I tried piano as a kid and I um, did girl scouts. Like I tried to do different things. And so when I, heard about goalball and they're like, yeah, come try this sport out. I'm like, okay. And I tried it and I didn't love it at first. And I remember telling my dad, I'm like, I don't really want to do this. And he's like, you went to one practice, like you need (laughs) to give this a chance. And so I, I did it a little bit, but then I went to Florida for youth nationals and I got to compete and not only compete, Mm. like be in an environment with a bunch of other people who were blind. Like that was the norm was to be around sighted people. And so to be in an environment with others my age and others who are older as role models, who were in college, who were, had jobs, who had kids, it completely changed my life, both for the sport and for how I saw vision loss and for my confidence. And I remember coming back from that tournament, loving competing, loving just being a part of that team environment and saying, I want to go to Rio in 2016. And this was like 2012. So I was like, I want to commit. Like, I yep. want to go to Rio. Yep. And so I just started practicing and training and working hard. And, you know, your first step is getting invited to a team USA goalball training camp. And I did that. And then um, I got invited to go international with the team to Finland in 2013. And I remember that was just like, oh my God, like I'm going to, to Europe. I'm going to Finland for goalball. Like that's crazy. And you really work your way up. You know, I went to Finland and I, you know, only played a little bit, but I was just so grateful to get that opportunity. And, um, you know, I graduated high school in 2013 and I was debating where do I want to go to college and um, Portland State had a goalball every week. And so I essentially picked my college based off of goalball because I knew I wanted to go to Rio and I knew it would take sacrifice and wow. I couldn't just go to Oregon State or University of Oregon like I was sure. thinking because that's like a couple hours away from from Portland State and I can't just go home every weekend of college to train and I can't sure. ask my parents to drive me because like that's unrealistic. So um, I really picked my college based off of goalball, but I have no regrets. I had the best four years, made so many friends, connections. I even helped start like a collegiate goalball team to get sighted. Yeah, sighted college students involved with the sport and, oh, the sport and growth. Yeah. And so I like kind of bullied, kind of convinced all my friends, all my sighted friends. I'm like, okay, hey, we're starting this team and you all have to play with me. Yes. So, um what a what a weird deal to like uh, be sighted, but put a blindfold on and play yeah, that game. Yeah. Like, that's gotta be crazy. 
it was. And it was so fun for me to watch my friends really struggle and be like, wait, where, where's the, where's the court? Where am I? What am I doing? So it was kind of a cool bonding experience for us yeah. for them to, to try this thing I loved. And also for, for me to like, you know, work with them on it. But um, yeah, I think the biggest thing though, with everything that I've said is just having a support, a strong support system, you know, mm. having a strong network of people who are encouraging you and behind you and believing in you, because if you have that, then you can like believe and encourage and have all those things with yourself. And so reaching out to people, you know, asking for help as you need it, accepting assistance, like, you know, yes. working within, you know, your barriers, but also like learning, how do I adapt? How do I accommodate? What do I have to do to be successful? And I truly believe like disability or not, like sports are a big thing yeah. that teach you commitment, that teach you mm. teamwork, that teach you how to be accountable. And you can take all those skills to school or to a job yeah. and be like a better employee or student for it. That's incredible. You said somewhere, you said, uh, uh, you said disability does not mean inability. Mm -hmm. You just break that down a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of like negative connotation with the word disability. And yeah. like, I even personally hate being like, I have a disability. Yeah. It sucks. And, like it's yeah. hard to say that it's yes. really difficult. It is a hard word to say. And then people are like, well, what would you rather me say? And mm. I don't always have the best answer because yeah. I don't know, yeah. but disability just feels so limiting. And so like, um, dis like you, you yeah, feel like exactly. you're not as good as you're right. lesser than yeah and so i try to take the word back and say like disability does not mean inability because that's mm. how the word disability makes me feel it makes me feel like people think you know you're not capable sure um you're not able and so i'm like no it, it does not mean inability it just means that in this certain aspect of your life you have a struggle or a challenge that other people don't have that same struggle or challenge yeah and you, you said something just now, you said, uh, you, people might think that you can't do something, but yeah. what about when it's yourself? Like, what about when it's, when it's Eliana Mason, when she's frustrated dealing with blindness, having to do something, you know, for me, it's like, I get so frustrated using the computer, like trying to mm -hmm. see this thing. And I have it zoomed in. I'm like, Selena, you know, I need my wife to come help me. But yeah. for other people, so, so often it's like, yeah, it's other people thinking this, but there's a lot of days for me personally. And I think other people that deal with the disabilities or disadvantages listening to this right now, that it's not an outside voice. It's their, their inner thoughts and kind of segueing into mental health. How do you overcome that voice where that's the loudest person in the room often is, is you yourself telling you're, you're reiterating, Hey, you're disabled. Like what are you doing for me? It's like, what are you doing trying to start a podcast? Like you can't see, like your eyes are terrible. You can't like go drive and like do like Eliana, like, why are you trying to play sports? You can't see. So I guess, again, segueing into the mental, mental health aspect of it. How do you, what's your self-talk like? Like, how do you encourage somebody that's dealing with that inner voice? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is to recognize the internalized ableism that like we all face, like we mm. see in the media or in news or, you know, everything around us, there's not representation of disability really or blindness. And when there is, it's negative. So if that's what you wow. see, that's what you're going to tell yourself about yourself. And so there is a lot of like negative self-talk, like I'm not as good as, or I, you know, can't do this. And, um, you know, for me, really, it was coming in terms of starting to use a cane because I didn't use one for 24 years of my sure, life when I right. probably should have. Sure. 
and I just would freeze up and I would hate using it. Like I just couldn't, like, I'd feel so like, it was almost like putting a flag on my head. Like here I am, I'm blind. And I feel like I'd like lose my identity. Mm. And so I had to come to terms with this feeling of like, honestly, like shame with vision loss and recognize that it's not my fault. Like this visual impairment is not my fault. So why should I feel shameful or embarrassed of something that is completely out of my control? Wow. And so when I was able to name that feeling and then try to be like, you know, I, I didn't, this is not my fault. I can't control this. So I shouldn't be upset with myself for things that are out of my control. That was really helpful in the, in this, in the internal self-talk of letting it go and not being so hard on myself and having realistic expectations. You know, I can't drive. So why am I upset with myself that I can't drive to this place? I can't do it. Like, it's not my fault. Um, and then also making the choice to actively not care so much. I definitely, (laughs) I definitely care so too much what other people think of me. And I think it's like a flaw, you know, a lot of people feel that way. And so And it has to be active. It's not a passive, like, oh, I don't care. You need to actively tell yourself, like, this opinion of this person's opinion doesn't matter. If they think like, oh, she's blind and she can't do this, that shouldn't matter. Like, I know I can do this. And so learning to find internal validation, because when you have external validation, it's so dependent on the things around you. And so it can be really high or really low. And so how do I validate myself internally so I can control it and I can like, feel confident with myself. So I've worked on that a lot and, you know, going to school to be a mental health counselor has definitely yeah. helped me in, in this process of figuring that stuff out and building an identity. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is so, so helpful. So incredible. Uh, that's just deep. And, and it's funny. It was, it was almost funny and abrasive the way you said, it. it's like, don't, why are we worrying about what other people think? Yeah. Like, why, why do we do that to ourselves? And, uh, I heard something recently. It was, it was like, um, you know, whatever, what other people think about you, whatever they say about you, it's none of your business. And it's something you have to continue to fight to like, I don't care. I'm going to yeah. do this. And ultimately, you know, I, I key in often on like what parents have done for people. My parents were so big for me. You know, I'm, I'm 28. I don't live with them anymore. I've got to do my own thing now. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I love that. Like, your dad encouraged you to go back to that practice, but like, then you had to make the decision, go to Portland state. You had Mm -hmm. to build a network of people. So that's why your story is so, so impactful because there are so many reasons why you like, there's so many things that have happened in your life, whether it's disability or not, that has like, that would stop you from achieving the success that you have had, whether it's goalball or again, like you're, if I'm not mistaken, you're, you're, you completed your master's program and you're going to, you're going to make an impact on this world by helping families and people that deal with disabilities. And I just think that's so incredible. And we need to often understand our potential. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad when people don't recognize their potential. And when mm-hmm. it's a disability that keeps that person on the couch, but they have an incredible idea or a gift that can change people's lives. So I'm just, I'm so appreciative of your drive to do that because you're going to help so many people. So in in staying there, Eliana, talk to us a little bit more about the mental health aspect. You've gone to school for it. Are there some, you know, cited or not, are there some big takeaways over the last few years of school that you've really learned that have either helped you or maybe you've helped other people or, or to go in a little bit deeper, how do you help 
a, a, a kid, you know, you're 16 and they're going to go see a, 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 a mental health counselor that deals specifically with disability. How do you help them? Like, how do you begin to navigate that world? Yeah. Well, so I think that first off you need to like mentorship and role modeling. Like if I was a counselor and I had a kid, like you said, I would give them resources to adaptive sports or to, um, adaptive, you know, activities or to, to, to sports camps or technology camps or whatever that may be, because, you know, we all crave like you know, connection and you can feel so isolated with your disability. And, you know, again, like going back to what I said, you're trying to keep up with everyone around you and it can just, you don't even realize how much pressure you're putting on yourself. And so I think normalizing the disability first and having that person recognize they're not the only one who feels this way or experiences this. And so connection and something like this podcast right here, you know, having podcasts out there for kids to look up and listen to um, different YouTube videos, different, different things where they feel connection is a really huge part of part of it. Um, Also understanding where someone is at in their vision loss, you know, having it happen Mm. later in life, it is a lot different than being born with vision loss. And so that's, that's a loss. That's someone is grieving that loss of that ability. And so being able to name that as grief Jeez. and how do I go through the process of grief and work through it? And you know, what is, what does that look like for each individual person? Um, and then having people not minimize their own feelings, you know, so often we have this idea, I think in society of like, oh, well, you know, it could be worse. So, you know, you're okay. And yeah, it could be worse, but there is enough misery to go around. And so it's wow. not like, it's not, but it could be worse or, or it could be worse. It's, and, you know, hold space yeah. for yourself and hold space for other things around you, but don't minimize your own feelings and then don't feel guilty about having those feelings. Cause they're real and they're valid. Yeah. Powerful. Uh, you know, you, you need people to persevere. You need to get people in your corner. And part of I, the people that I've been introduced with, uh, introduced to just in the past few episodes of this podcast have been have honestly made such an incredible impact on me because yeah, it's easy to say like, yeah, there's a, there's other blind people. I don't know any, like, I'm like, I don't have like all these friends that like deal with visual Mm -hmm. impairment or whatever. So it's been incredible to open up to some people and eh, yeah, everybody I've talked to so far, it's been, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily just going to focus on visual issues or whatever it might be. Um, Cause you know, you've, you've rubbed shoulders with some incredible uh, Olympic athletes, uh, mm-hmm. athletes that have all sorts of other, other issues that they could have decided not to, not to overcome them and, yeah. and succeed. So I think it's so important to have people around you. Um, and, and, and I bet you, Eliana, if you took a second to look back and like, okay, it was this teacher, it was this friend, it was my mom and dad at this time. And it was just, it's always people that can help propel us to our highest potential. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Well, Eliana, I, I'm so thankful for you. Like when I have conversations like this, I get excited because there's something special about people who have overcome challenges. Um, and even right now I'm like, I'm amped up. I'm about to go, I don't I'm going to go build a gold ball <laughs> thing in my backyard. Like I, I, I but genuinely, like, I, I do want to stay connected with you, Eliana, because I, yeah. I, there's something there, you know, there's something I have such a, such a passion for like kids that deal with disability or, you know, whatever it might be, because it just breaks your heart 
and they're kids. So you're going through so much already. Like you're growing up, you don't understand anything. And then you're different from every other kid. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want to somehow be an impact in that area. So I'm sure yes. you and I can stay connected and figure yes. some things out, but we're, uh, we're all going to be rooting for you, uh, in, you. in Tokyo. We are so excited. Uh, I encourage everyone go take a second, watch some YouTube videos of some gold ball. It is incredible. But Eliana, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Ability Podcast. I hope you are coming away from what you heard today, feeling both challenged and encouraged. I hope you start to look at some of the disabilities or disadvantages in your life just a little bit differently and begin to leverage the abilities that you do have to become the best version of yourself. I would be honored if you would take a moment and hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on and share this with your friends and family. I'm so grateful that you decided to join me today and I will see you again real soon.